Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. Let's open up in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And I've said this um, during uh, this series that this is actually my favorite verse in the whole Bible. A lot of people ask me what this key is that I wear often around my neck, and it has a scripture on it. Um, it's, it's my favorite verse, and it, is, um, it just inspires me. And so this is the text for the series that we're wrapping up this morning, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's own handiwork. We are his workmanship. We were recreated in Christ Jesus. We were born anew that we would do the good works he predestined or he planned beforehand beforehand for us to take paths that he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them. And I love this. We should live the good life that he prearranged and he made ready for you and I to live. When you read that verse, there's a few things that are apparent. First of all, that you are the handiwork of God. That means that you are constructed by his hands. You are formed by his hands. It means that not only are you formed by his hands, but you are actually his poem. And when you were born anew and recreated in him, you can now walk out the paths and the plans that he had made for you and in you that he made ahead of time. And the Bible says this, that's the good life, and those are good paths that he wants you to be ready, not just to live, but to walk out. So we look at it this way, God had some plans and some destinies and some designs for you way before you were thought about, and no matter what anyone has said to you or maybe about you regarding that, God has a destiny for your life. God has a plan for your life, amen? We've been talking about that the last few weeks, and so we've been doing a series called Unlocking Your Destiny, and on your phone, you probably see something like that, and you have to slide it to unlock it. We're finding out what we have to uh, let God do in our lives to unlock the areas of destiny that he has for us. And you might be wondering, well, well, what's destiny? Destiny is just simply a predetermined plan for your life that God has, a predetermined plan that God has for your life. Um, someone may have said to you that you, are, you were a mistake, that you weren't planned on, we didn't um, plan for you, and someone may have said that to you, they may not have planned for you, but God had a plan long before you came and breathed your first breath. So if someone told you that, they were either misunderstanding or they were absolutely inaccurate to tell you that. So destiny is just this predetermined plan that God actually has for your life and for my life. And so we've been in this series talking about how you can discover that, how you can develop that in your life, and how um, you can determine that destiny by the choices that that you make. And so we're going to wrap up the series this week. Next weekend, I want to invite you to be with us for our Father's Day weekend. But um, a couple weeks ago, I had the privilege to not only host here in our facility, but also to be the speaker for uh, a local high school, uh, Robert C. Bird High School's baccalaureate. My daughter graduated this year. They asked me I would speak. And so over the next few moments, I want to share with you what I shared with them. And the last point, I want to camp on and expound on it a little bit. I didn't do that for them because of time, but I want to do that uh, for you this morning and, and, and with you. And so wrapping up this series, my title this morning is Doing Your Destiny, Doing Your Destiny. But if you notice on the screen before the word doing is, it says redoing your destiny. 
Because I'm going to make an assumption this morning that some of us haven't done every step of our destiny perfectly. Is there anyone in here that maybe you messed up a little bit of the destiny, at times got a, lot of, a little bit off course, made some decisions that weren't in line with your destiny, and you wonder if you're ever going to be able to walk out the destiny God has for you accurately? If that's you, could you just either smile real big or wave at me or, or do this? Um, if you mess it up real big, you could throw a foot up in, in the air. So I don't want to just call this doing your destiny. I want to call it redoing your destiny this morning. And you'll find out why that I... Uh, called it that. And so we've talked about direct, uh, developing, discovering, determining, and let's talk about doing your destiny. We don't want our destiny to always be out there somewhere that we hope we fulfill it or we find it one day. It's in the journey. It, it's in the 24-7. It's in the 365 that, that, that we live our lives, that, that destiny that we, ju- that we just read about is continuing to unfold in our lives and we continue to walk out that destiny. So go with me to a famous verse. This is Jeremiah 29, verse 11. The Bible says this, God is talking, for I know the plans. Everyone say plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good. They are not for disaster. They're to give you a future and to give you a hope. Isn't that a cool verse? I would assume that a lot of you have that on a plaque somewhere. You may have the tattoo, but somewhere you've read that scripture. It, 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 maybe it's saved in your phone, but it's an inspiring verse. But I want to talk to you this morning about it's a lot more inspiring than you may think that it is. So life point number one is this, that God has big plans for you. Thank you for the enthusiasm. Let me say it again. God actually has big plans for you. I didn't say he had big plans for everyone else. I said God actually has these big plans for you. Now, when you see the word big, I, I, like, to, I like to study words, the, the etymology of words. And so that word big, I get it. It's a normal, ordinary word. But, but I looked up its origin for you. And the word big means some things like this. Size. The extent of something. How important something is. How intense something is. And how serious something is. It literally means to be full grown. So when I say to you that God has big plans... What I'm saying to you is that God has large, intense, important, serious, full-grown plans for little old you. He really does have big plans. Now, when we read this verse, we find that the word plans is in this verse more than once. But it's written in different tenses. The first time we see this word plans, it's actually a noun. And the word plans here means thoughts or imaginations. So as God is saying this to us, what God is saying is, I have some serious, important, intense, full-grown imaginations about you. God has some intense, serious, full-grown thoughts about you. So we have to stop there and think about this. Out of everything God has to do, think about this. He's got war happening. He's got terrorism unfolding. There is inflation happening. There are problems at borders. There is is crisis all over the world, all over the globe. The world is a fallen world, and it's a mess, and it's getting messier. But out of everything else God has to do, 
God is actually thinking about you. That's amazing. God says, I know the thoughts, the imaginations, the plans that I have about you. You are actually on God's day timer. You are actually on God's schedule. And what is God thinking? I know what you're thinking. If God's thinking, oh man, I'm, 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 I'm a mess. No, what God is thinking is about your destiny. He's actually thinking about the destiny that he created you with. He's thinking about the destiny that he made, the potential that he created you with, the potential he created you for. Now, regardless of your conditions, regardless of your situations, regardless of your circumstances that you might even be in right now, think about this. God's thinking of your best. God's thinking of your prosperity. God's thinking about your healing. Because when we talk about destiny, We've been talking about the direct destiny of God, which is everything that is in the Bible that's written on in black and white. We're also talking about the indirect destiny. So everything that's in the Bible, which is a book of destiny, it's yes and amen for you. But then there are things like careers, relationships. It may not be in black and white, but it's those same principles. And so God is thinking about the destiny that he created you with, not all the, not all the maybe failures that you're obsessed with. But he's thinking about those things. It's important that God's thinking about those things because God always, 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 always acts in accordance with what he's thinking. So if God is thinking good about you, he is acting in good accordance towards you. If God is thinking about your destiny, God is always moving in your direction according to that destiny. Are, are you getting this? So when I say that, it, that it's very clear that God has these big plans, these serious, important, intense, full-grown thoughts and imaginations about you, this is what God's doing with his time right now. He has these imaginations of your destiny and your best, the destiny that he created you with before you were even born. That's what God's thinking about you, the potential he put in you. We read earlier in this series that before you're even born, there's a book in heaven with your life it, it, that, that God has a destiny for your life, Psalm 139. And that's how God's thinking about you, what's in that book. Not even some of the chapters you did your own thing. He's thinking about your best. Everybody go. Whew. So number one, God has big plans for you. Number two, not only does God have big plans for you, God has big purposes for you. The second time we see this word plans in this verse, it's a verb. And it literally means unique and original intentions or purposes. So when God is thinking about you, he's, he's having these imaginations about the intentions and the purposes that he created you with and for. These unique purposes. These specific purposes that are about your life and for your life. The challenge is this, and we've said this through the series, that some of us are ignorant of the plans of God for our life. Now, when I say that phrase, I don't mean you're ignorant. I just mean we don't have revelation about who we are and what God has for us. That's why it's so important to be hearing this series, why it's important to read in the word what God says about you, because this is the truth about you, not what someone else has said about you. 
But sometimes we're ignorant of it. But the moment we get revelation on it, it starts to change everything. You cannot walk out your destiny if you're ignorant that God has a destiny for you. Well, some people are ignorant. Some people just ignore it. They just choose to do their thing. But then there's this amount of people, I like to call them the life weight people, that, that aren't ignorant, they don't ignore it, but they're ignited with destiny. They're ignited that everything that's in the word of God is for you. Everything that the word of God says about you is true. Everything that the word of God says is for you is actually accurate. And we get ignited or passionate. Another word for passion is fire. And the thing is, you're not born with passion. You're born with interest. But passion is the result of a stimuli. A match strikes something. You see something and something comes alive. You look into the word of God and when you see that you're a conqueror, faith is stirred. When you look into the word of God and you realize that there's always been a destiny for you, something alive happens inside of you. That's what happens. That's how passion occurs. But God don't only has big plans. God has big purposes for your life. Here's the dangerous thing, and I wrote it down this way. If you're unsure about your purpose, here's what happens. You get insecure about it. If you don't know you have a specific purpose and specific intentions, you will get insecure about who you are. And if you get insecure about who you are, you will copycat or you will duplicate or you will become a cheap imitation of who you were created to be. Let me say that again. If you are not aware of who you are and what God has for you, you will become insecure. And when you're insecure, you will accept a cheap imitation of who you are. And you don't live out your path or your plan. You try to live out someone else's. If you, if you haven't noticed this yes or not, yet or not, there is grace and goodness on your path, but when you try to live someone else's path, there's not any grace. There's only grace for your race. And so you are a cheap imitation. And a lot of us have lived several years of our life being insecure, trying to be who they think I should be or what they say I should be or what someone prophesied I should be or declared over me that I should be instead of letting the word of God be the compass for your life and for my life. This insecurity lets us try to live and breathe out of loneliness, out of emotion, instead of truth. My wife said this, you know, feelings are real, but they're not always right. But when we have this purpose that God is thinking about for us, it gives us a cause, it gives us a conviction, puts courage in our life. And without that, we don't have courage, we don't have conviction, and we don't have a cause, and we live apathetic. Or we live without divine direction. So in this verse, God is saying, I know the plans or the imaginations I have for you. And these plans or these purposes, they're good purposes. Life point number three, God has big promises for you. So he has big plans. Everyone say plans. He has big purposes. Everyone say purposes. And he has big promises. Everyone say promises. And we read about those right here in, in, in the scripture. Because God never asks something of you, or he never demands something of you or from you that he has not provided for. He would never want a destiny from you that he did not have a provision for. He would never 
demand you be or do something if you weren't gifted by him or anointed by him to do or be. He would never expect something from you that he has not provided for. So if there's a destiny that God has for you, he will not demand it unless the destiny comes, uh, that provision comes with that destiny. Giftings come with that destiny. Grace comes with that destiny. Anointing comes with that destiny. Even if it seems bigger than you, God will grow you into it. But there are these promises that we see. And these promises, first of all, he says, I know the thoughts I think about you and the purposes I have towards you. And he says this, that, that, they, are, that they are plans that are, he said, good, full of hope, and a future. Now, we, we see the word good here in this translation. Most translations say something like this. They are plans of peace. So think about this. The plans, the purposes, the promises that God has, they're good. Look at someone say, he's talking to you. They're, they're good plans. They're not bad plans. They're, they are good plans. And the word peace here means this. They are, they are plans of completeness and they are plans of the best. So God says, I make you a promise according to these plans that I'm thinking about and these purposes or these intentions, they are good. It is my desire, God is saying, for those to come to completion. This is a comfort. Anytime you see the word uh, peace, it's a word of comfort. And he's saying, I want to comfort you that these are the best plans. These are good plans. These are uh, plans of provision. They're plans of peace. They are good. And I've said this to you before. What we have to settle in our heart is this, that God is a good God. He's a God of goodness. God good, devil bad. If you can live a life where you don't get those confused, you'll be way ahead of most people. So he says they are good plans. Then he said this, they are to give you a future. A future means an expectation or a, a, a desired or divine destiny. So God is making you a promise. I'm thinking about these thoughts towards you. They are of great intention, so much so that I am giving my promise along with it that they are good and to give you an expectation. How many know that if you can live this life with some peace and some expectation, you're way ahead of the curve? If you can live in a world we're in right now with peace and with expectation, how do we know that's good? And then he said, not only a, few, uh, a future, but a hope. Man, think about those three promises. And how many know this? When God makes a promise, he's able to back it up. He says, I, here's what I'm saying about your destiny. When he's thinking about it and he's declaring it, he's saying this, that that destiny that I created you with, it's good. It's peaceful. That doesn't mean there's never a challenge. It just means it's good. It's the best. Not only is it the best, but there's a preferred destiny that comes with an expect. You should be expecting good things in your tomorrow. You should be expecting good things in your next season. You should be expecting better things in your next level. And he says that, that also give you this hope. The word hope here means confidence. That God can and God will do what is needed for you. Now, this scripture is a lot more exciting than the looks I'm receiving right now. I know you're listening, but this should be exciting to you. When you look at everything around you, everything you've gone through, everything that's happening, God says, but I know what I'm thinking, and every time I think, I move in that accordance. And I'm thinking these imagination, these thoughts, these serious thoughts, these big, serious, full-grown thoughts, and not only am I thinking about it, I'm moving in this direction, and I do promise you, I promise you that these plans are good, 
They bring you courage, they should bring you confidence, and they should bring you comfort. There's an expectation for your tomorrow. Amen. But I was thinking about this. That's what I shared with the, uh, with the recent graduating class. I wanted them to know that when you go out there, just remember these three things that I said to you. Big plans, big purposes, and big promises from God. But I want to stop here for a moment. Because I was thinking about why would God have to focus so much on the good, the future, and the hope? Why would he have to emphasize the end of this verse with those promises? Well, let me tell you why. Because the people God was talking about were not in a place of freedom. They were in a place of regret, remorse, mistake, captivity, bondage. They, weren't fa- they were failing to live up to their destiny. And they were discouraged by it. So I want to read verse 11 again, but I want to read it in the context of a few verses. Let's read again. Let me start in verse 10. This is what the Lord says. You'll be in Babylon for 70 years. So they're in captivity for a long duration of time. But then I'm going to come and do for you all the good things I promised, and I'll bring you home again. They got themselves into Babylon, but God says, Listen, there's going to be some season of setback, but in the middle of that, I'm going to come and I'm going to work out this destiny. Even though you're off track, even though you're off course, he says, and here's why he says that, because I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, and they're they're plans of good, and they're not plans of disaster, but they're to give you a future and a hope. Verse 12, and in those days when you pray, I'm going to listen. If you look for me with all of your heart, you're going to find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity. I will restore your fortunes. And I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. In the midst of a setback, a long season of setback, of them getting themselves off track of God's plan for them, God is still saying to them, I know you've missed it. I know you've messed it up. I know that you haven't done this perfectly, but I keep thinking the same thoughts I thought about you before, and they are still the same thoughts and plans. They're still just as big. They're still just as serious. They're still just as as important. They're still just as intense. I'm going to bring this thing full grown. Even though you're where you're at right now, I'm still thinking about the big plans, the big purposes, that's why I had to give you some big promises. How many know that? That is comforting. How many know that? That right there is good. Because when we look at the destiny and the will of God, we realize that it involves two things, sovereignty and free will. God has a sovereign, perfect plan for your life, but he has also given you free choice and free will. And how many know, I just, I got to check, see if I'm talking to the right crowd. Sometimes our free will has caused us to go our own route. Our free will has often hindered us from walking out all that God has for us. And I asked you before, and if you were honest, you said, I've messed some of it up. I've missed some of it. 
But isn't it comforting to know God's like, well, you're 65 now, you've messed it up, you know, just chill for a couple years and I'll come and get you, or you'll come here. That's not how God's thinking. God's not thinking, well, you guys have been married for 20 years, you've been fighting for most of it, blah, blah, blah. God's not thinking like, you've been doing your own thing or you've messed up that marriage or you've done. God says, I'm thinking about how I created you and before you ever breathed your first breath, I just keep thinking about that. And that is how I act according to you. So much so that if you're willing, God will work out every plan of destiny he has. Do you think you're so big? Do you think you're so bad? Do you think you're all that? That you can actually keep God's best from you if you are willing? If you are willing to continue to surrender that to God. How many know that's good? Let me attack this for a moment. I gave you three life points. I, I, I have an A, B, and C this morning. Because here's how we get off track. Sometimes we get off track, don't we? Y'all still doing good? Am I talking to the right crowd? I mean, I'm talking to the crowd. It's like, no, we got this, man. We, we really, um, if you got it all together and you've never messed it, you can go ahead and be dismissed. We'll let you leave early. But for the rest of us, we're going to fix this. Because something's about to break. Um, sometimes we're on our plan, our destiny, and our path, and we come across what I call unexpected detours. You heard us preach about destiny, purpose, and you're like, I'm going to follow God's path. I'm going to follow God's plan. And somewhere along the line, you're going down your little trek, and you come across an unexpected detour. Now, it is vacation season, and I know I've explained this before, but my family does vacation different. Um, when I start the car and put it in drive, vacation hasn't started. For my wife, vacation starts right then. For me, vacation starts when we're in the condo and the bags are unpacked. And for me, see, my wife, it starts... At that moment, that's why, like, 30 minutes down the road, I need a drink. I need a snack. I need to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, we got to get at least four hours in before we do any of this stuff. <laughs> because somewhere inside of me is this drive to beat the all-time record. Is anyone? Thank you. But you're, you're driving, and then all of a sudden, you're, you're, have you ever just felt like, you know, the cool thing is you have, um, you, you, you have the uh, maps on your phone. Have you ever been making such good time that you start to realize you're going to get there before they say you were originally? And something kicks in like, how much better can I beat this? Like, I'm about to set the altar. Has anyone ever had that moment? It's like, now it's on now. It is on. There's no bathrooms. We're going to push the gas as far as we can go. Because if I can get ahead, for some reason, something has happened that's never happened before. And you're doing really good. And all of a sudden comes an unexpected detour. And now if you're watching that on the iPhone, the maps, all of a sudden you're behind what you originally thought. Depression sets in, you're calling a counselor. I mean, has anyone ever been there? An unexpected detour comes. But think about this with detours. A detour is usually because you're in a construction zone. And God is so good because sometimes you're going on your path, but God has to take you into a season of construction. And he has to detour. Why? God's working. He's, he is working 
And guess what he's working on? He's working on your path. He's working on the, your path to get you there, and it might be inconvenient, but God's going to do something in that season to work on you because you can't just walk into your destiny like you are now. He's got he's to chisel some stuff off of you. He's going to work on some attitudes. He's got to inspire some faith. He's got to work on some things in you. So he takes you into a construction zone, which means you go on a little bit of a detour, but he's still going to get you there. The problem is you don't like the wait. Like, I don't like the wait. But God, I was going so fast. I was beating the time. I was right on track. But God said, I got to work on some stuff first. Those are unexpected detours. Now, I like going on vacation at night when it's not as crowded because when, I, when I'm flying along and all of a sudden I see those orange cones, it's like a suggestion to me. I'm like, well, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, you're just stuck. Or you, you're, last year we went to vacation. We were all over this town coming through those tunnels all over the place, coming out of the, back into the state. And I'm like, my goodness, where are we at? Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever been on a little detour and you're like, this really could be sending me anywhere? But now think about this. Have you ever thought that about God? God, do you really know where I'm at right now? Is this detour going to get me there? But if you, if you just sit back and think about some detours God took you on, can you all say this like I can? I thank God for the detour because he did something I didn't know he was going to do. And he did something I needed. But they're unexpected. Not only are there unexpected detours, check this out, there are unwelcome delays. Show of hands, just by the guys. How many guys like to wait? I, I can't find a guy who likes to wait. We don't like to wait. But sometimes we have unwelcome delays. If the detours are constructive, sometimes our delays God is being proactive in our lives. If it, during detours, God's working on the path, in a delay, God's working on you specifically. He's developing you. He's expanding you. He's frustrating you. And it feels like you're delayed. Remember in the story in the Old Testament, there was a guy named Joseph? And he had this dream that he was going to be a great leader. And he's so fired up about his destiny that he goes out and he starts telling his family. And his brothers were so excited about it that they beat him up, they threw him in a pit, and they sold him into slavery. Watch who you tell about your destiny. Because everyone is not as excited, especially if you have a brother, they're not as excited about it as you are. They weren't real excited about, oh, we're going to follow you. They sold him into slavery. He found his way into Potiphar's house. He was accused of some wrong things, found himself in prison for years and years and years. Finally, he got out of prison for interpreting some dreams. Eventually, you know how the story goes, he's made a ruler over all. He ends up rescuing his family, saving uh, uh, money and resources during a time of famine. And God, the Bible says this, what the enemy meant for evil, I actually work it for good. And sometimes we come along these unexpected delays, and what happens is God will take anything and still work it for your good. Isn't that amazing? He will take your bad attitude, take you through a season of delay, work on it, and still bring you out on the other side better. The enemy may come and attack you and delay you, and somehow God will take it 
work it out and bring you out the other side with a testimony and a story and a healing and a breakthrough. I love this about Joseph. I, I, I don't know if I've ever said this before, but listen to, he, he had a son, Manasseh and Ephraim. And he actually, he, he, um, he named Manasseh, the name Manasseh means this, God made me to forget my hardship. And he named Ephraim, God made me to be fruitful in my affliction. Well, think about that. When you name your kids, you, you sort of have a name, but biblical names had a real meaning to them. And he said, one of them, I'm going to name you Manasseh, which means I've forgotten the hardship. And Ephraim, you remind me that even when you're afflicted, you're still fruitful. Tony Evans said this. He said, the greater the calling, the deeper the pit. The higher the destiny, the tighter the shackles. The more glorious the future, the more persecution in the present. Sometimes we just have some unexpected detours, and sometimes we have some unwelcome delays. But even in the delay, God is still working. You may not see him. It may not feel like it. But if God is up to something, he is up to something good. Because he's always working to the destiny. He's always rearranging to the destiny. He's always working to the breakthrough. He's always working for that moment. So you're on your destiny. And there's times there's just going to be some detours where God's doing some construction. Some other times God is doing some proactive things. But then there are these unwanted dead ends. This is your A, B, and C. Unwanted dead ends. Hey, a, de a detour is one thing. A delay is another. But how do we know a dead end is a whole different thing? What happens in our destiny if we come up into some unwanted dead ends? If one is constructive and one is proactive, a dead end can be a time that God is really being corrective. Because there are some things in our life that can destroy our destiny. There are some things in our life when God isn't just working on the path, he isn't just working on the personal stuff, sometimes he's got to work on the problem. And I want you to hear me for a moment. Because there are some problems that can lead to a dead end in our lives. Now, we've been shouting about destiny. I want you to be fired up about destiny. I want you to know God's always thinking about your destiny. God's always working. But sometimes these dead ends can be set. What, what, would, be, what would be a dead end in our life that could keep the destiny of God from being fulfilled? I'm glad you asked that question. I came up with some. They're real simple. First of all is unbelief. Unbelief is a dead end. I, I think I call these destiny destroyers. Yeah, unbelief. Just let me say this. There's a difference between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is a hesitation. Unbelief is just disbelief. If God says you can be this and you can have that and you, 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 you can walk in this and you have a great destiny, and if you have a moment of hesitation where you're like, yeah, I know myself. I don't know about that. That's just a doubt. But when you say, God, I, no, I can never do that. I won't do that. You're not able to do that. I came from this family. I've had too many of them say, that's unbelief. And there's a difference between doubt and unbelief. But unbelief will keep you and will keep me from our destiny. It really, really will. This is why you need to be able to open the word of God 
Find out what God says about you. Listen to the power, the voice of the Holy Spirit. When he says you can do everything he strengthens you to do, you have to say, I believe I can do it. This is why you have to confess scripture. Because when you confess scripture, you are disagreeing with your flesh and you're disagreeing with the devil. And you're in agreement with God. You ought to just read the word and say, I agree. You're healed. I agree. I'm healed. You're blessed. I agree I'm blessed. You may not feel blessed. Your wallet may not look like it that morning. But you need to say, I am blessed. I have provision. I'm a conqueror, I'm full of faith, I'm full of fruit, I'm full of peace, I'm full of joy. Why? Because you're agreeing with God. Yeah, but I don't feel like it. Don't agree with your feelings. Agree, let your faith put you in agreement with the Father. As long as we're in unbelief, we cannot walk out those good paths. Second thing after unbelief is unforgiveness. Man, if you've been walking with Jesus for a while... That's a long word, but you realize that can stop the destiny of God in your life and my life. Unforgiveness. Now, I I get it. Somebody said something or somebody did something, and let's just face it. It wouldn't hurt if you didn't care about that thing or that person. And if you do church life long enough, you're going to have moments you're going to have to forgive. If you're going to be married for a while, there are going to be moments that you have to do what? forgive. But if we stay in a place of unforgiveness, it can destroy your destiny. It'll destroy your health, but it can destroy your future. It can destroy your destiny. So why is that such a big deal for me to do that? You don't know what they said to me. Here's why it's a big deal. I want you to get this. It would be like God forgiving you for a million dollar debt and you holding a $1,000 debt over someone else that did something to you. If God can wipe out a million-dollar debt for your life, you and I need to figure out how do we forgive. You and I need to walk in a way that we Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Doesn't mean it wasn't serious. Doesn't mean it didn't frustrate. But we've got to be in a place where, where we're living like Jesus, and we're, li- we're willing to what? Forgive. There's a lot of us that can't walk in our destiny because we are stuck in unforgiveness. And we're shouting this morning, it's got to break. You know how it breaks? I forgive I forgive. You say, how do I know when I forgive? Because I laid it down. Sometimes the Bible says you've got to keep laying it down. You've got to keep praying for the person to hurt you. You've got to keep praying for them to be blessed. When that thing comes and you want to rehearse it over and over, you've got to choose to turn that off and switch the channel. You've got to do some faith stuff. You've got to bless that person. Now, someone did something. You don't have to, sometimes you, you can't stay and like have coffee with them, but you, you've got to in some way get to a place where that's not dominating your heart, your thoughts, and your life. Are y'all with me? And the last one is this. It's just being unrepentant. Being unrepentant. I was reading this in this series in the book of Acts. It said this about David. Y'all know David, right? King David. Called as a young boy. Was a worship leader. Wrote most of the Psalms. Greatest king maybe ever. Him or Solomon. There's a debate. He whooped that giant. Y'all remember him, Goliath? And he said this about David. He fulfilled the purposes of God in his generation, and then he fell asleep. Fell asleep means he passed on. He died. Now, now I want you to think about this, because the Bible also says he had a heart just like his God's. But we know the good stuff about David. But what about David who lied, committed adultery, but yet God said he served? purpose of God and fell asleep. 
It didn't say David did all of it perfect and was just caught up to heaven. It said he served the purposes of God and fell asleep. So that lets me know somewhere in serving the purposes of God, there are times we have to be repentant. Now, there's literally a difference, a little theology here, between a sin and rebellion. Sin is those errors we make, those mistakes we made. Anyone do any of those this week? Three people. You know, some churches, they would bring you up and let you confess those. We're not going to do that. No one wants to hear that. But rebellion is saying, well, I know it's a sin, but I'm going to excuse it. I'm just going to live in it. I'm going to defend it. I'm going to make excuses. I'm going to lie about it. I'm going to... That's a whole different disposition. And you're putting yourself in opposition to God. And it will stop the destiny of God. It will stop the destiny of God. Being unrepentant, being full of unforgiveness, and being in unbelief. And if I'm right, I'd say with this many people here and with this many people watching, we've all done that. But there's a God who's thinking still about your plans, about your purposes, and he's promising you. Because he knows this, that faith is the answer to unbelief. Don't stay ignorant about those things. Stay, get your face stirred up. Keep hearing what God says about you. If there's an area of unforgiveness, we got to work through it and keep laying it down. Pastor Diane asked us the other day in the staff meeting, what's God been dealing with you about in this season? I said, surrender. Y'all, I finally figured it out. I can't do it. What God does want from us is lay it down. Surrender it. And if it's areas of rebellion or even sin, we got to repent. That was the difference maker in David's life. He was repentant. And I will tell you that people, all of us, get off track at times. Some people even get in a season of rebellion. And God always allows a season for repentance. And if you watch the people who repent, they get back on track. But if you ever watch someone who's unwilling to repent, the direction that their lives go, because God has to do this, because they obviously know better. And I've seen people be like that, lose their families, lose their lives, lose their careers because they're just unwilling to repent. But as long as we're willing to repent, that means feel remorse, confess it to God, change course. And as long as we can put ourselves in that place, God will always work out the destiny. Can I close and I want to prove something to you. Y'all okay for one more scripture? Luke chapter 19, verse 10. I call this God's, I call this Jesus, his personal mission statement. And most of you have heard this verse, and most of us think it's an evangelistic verse, which that's appropriate. But it's more than just a, an evangelistic verse. It's just how Jesus rolls. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus is in the restoration business.
He's in the restoration business. He can restore things, and when he restores them, he actually makes them better, brings them to better condition. This is amazing that Jesus has the power to reverse time. It says in Ephesians and Colossians, he can redeem time. He has the power of redeeming, reconciling, restoring, refreshing, refurbing. God knows the destiny he has for you. But he also knew the fallen nature that we're in and the world that we're in. That's why he keeps thinking and Jesus came and he still operates this way. He seeks. The word seek here means this. He fiercely looks for. Jesus is fiercely, seriously, intensely looking for your looking at your life. God said he seeks to save. The word save means restore. It's the Greek word sozo. It's the same word for salvation. Restore, return safely. It means to give a restart, to have soundness. So he is fiercely looking to restore, to restart that which has been lost. That which has been lost, the word lost means it could have been ruined, wasted, trashed, or even destroyed. Those could be lost years. Those could be fruitless years. Those could be painful years. Those could be selfish years. That could be regret. That could be loss. That could be embarrassing things. But I know this, that Jesus is willing to seek and save that which has been wasted, ruined, sidetracked, detoured, delayed, and even a dead end. If you're willing to repent, forgive, and believe in him, he'll restore. He will restart. He will reconcile. Now I have a question for you. If you were about to go on a flight and you got to the airport and somehow on the way to the airport, maybe you hit an unexpected detour. Or maybe you hit an unwelcome delay. Or maybe you found yourself on a dead end and you got turned around and you got to the airport, but how many know maybe that plane was leaving and, and you just couldn't get to the gate in time? You know what some people would do? They would take their carry-on, they would park themselves right there in a seat, they would be remorseful over what happened, and they would watch the plane fly out with tears running down their eyes, like, boy, I've missed my flight. It's never gonna be the same. Or you could go up to the ticket counter, you could go up to the gate and say, I'm sorry, I missed my flight. I was in a delay, I was in a detour, I was on a dead end, but I'm here now, what can we do? And that flight attendant is gonna say, we're gonna get you on a different flight, but we're still gonna get you to your destination. Now, on that destination, there could be some different people that you travel with, there could be some different times that you land, but you're still gonna get to your destination. And that doesn't matter if you've been in an unwelcomed, or unexpected or an unwanted situation. It's just like that flight. God is sovereign, there's free, there's free choice, but what God is gonna do is if you'll draw near to Jesus and repent and allow him to redeem it, he's gonna redeem it, he's gonna get you to your destination, he's gonna get you on your destiny. Don't ever let any of those things talk you out of him still getting you there. That's why I couldn't call this last sermon, this last teaching, doing your destiny, because I realize it also has to be called redoing your destiny. I'm so glad we serve a God that's not finished. I'm so glad we serve a God that gives us a restart, a reboot, aren't you? Do not let, do not let pride, regret, shame be so great in you that it, that, it, that it chokes out the power of grace, that it chokes out the power of Christ, that it chokes out the power of redemption, that it chokes out the power of restoration in your life. 
I'd like us to do this. Can we stand all across this room this morning? And I want you